Hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and welcome to your past. This may be a funny thing for me to say, but let me explain. We're about to talk about something called play money, P-L-A-Y money. But it's not going to do much good for you if you've brought your past into your future. Have you ever watched one of those infomercials and seen ordinary people who tell you that they've made a lot of money, and you wonder, can this be true? Can this ever be me? I don't believe in it. Have you ever seen a friend of yours who perhaps doesn't have your education or your drive make an investment in the stock market and make a ton of money overnight? And you wonder why it's never me. How about do you ask your spouse to handle the checkbook or do the taxes because you think that money is for somebody else? Or you're so disorganized, you simply are afraid to take a look at your drawers and your files. Well, this is all from your past, things you've been doing, thinking, and behaving in the past. At some point, you found yourself to be a victim, or you called yourself too stupid, or you made a really bad money mistake, and you just feel that wealth is for somebody else. And I can tell you that you're bringing your past even into this little tape that you're listening to right now. But for the next hour or so, you're going to learn about a lot of things that have to do with money. You're going to learn about taxes, about investment vehicles, exciting ways of investing in real estate. You're going to know that there's a lot of things that you can do to make a difference in your financial future, but you're not going to do them if you think that they're difficult and beyond your ken. There are secrets that no one reveals to you in simple ways. You're going to learn them, but for them to make a difference to you and in your future, you have to believe and ask yourself, just for an hour and a half, can I put my past in my past? Can I set aside all of my barriers to making money? I assure you that attitude is 90% of your ability to be secure in the fabulous decades ahead, to have money, to be wealthy, to be in control of your life in general. And let me know how I know. Let me tell you how I know, uh, because it happened to me. When I was 11 years old, my father died, and he died suddenly. He was a very good wage earner, but because he died so young, he was totally unprepared financially to leave a legacy to his wife and to me, his child. He was not a great saver. So it was only a matter of a few weeks before my mother and I really had to go on what they used to call the welfare. Now, I was a little girl. And I never had problems spending a dollar, getting ice cream, getting the toys I wanted. I certainly never thought about money at all until my father died. And it came into my life really like a shot. The difference from one day to the next was enormous. But eventually, it was attitude that made the difference. My mother was very frightened. She was very alone. And she was fairly well educated. But she expected her attitude was that she'd get a very low-paying job. She looked for a very low-paying job. And by the way, she got a very low-paying job. When she passed away at 91, I, there was one regret that she actually articulated and said to me. She was sorry about her attitude, that she never started her own business. She actually was one of those folks who could clean a room, and it looked like it had been cleaning service, even from the grassroots. 
but she was embarrassed to do so. Now, when I became an attorney, I became an attorney, and it was, I think, by accident, but who knows, to some of the richest people in the world, and I mean the world. I became a trust and estates lawyer for a very large firm on Wall Street, and they often sent me to Switzerland. When I went to Switzerland, I met folks who were even wealthier than the Americans here at home, and I learned their most important secrets. Very few of those secrets had to do with investing. What it had to do was their attitude about investing and their relationship to money. Most of them had actually grown up during the Depression. They were not trust fund babies. They were people who created the trust funds for their babies. I met them. I knew them. I understood them. I saw the way they operated. They operated with gratitude about money. One of them often said, money goes to the folks who treat it the best. They paid attention to their money. They spent time on growing their wealth. They did not think that the issue was for somebody else. Even if they had a Swiss banker, a lawyer, a financial advisor, they were on top of their own money. Many of them became philanthropists. These were not idle rich folks. They wanted to make a difference. Their money had a goal, not just for themselves and to get a better car or a more beautiful home, but to help the world. And I understood the power of attitude. Now, when you hear some of the exciting things that you can do for yourself and your family in the next hour or so, you're going to want to do them. But you may find yourself stuck. You may find yourself bringing your past into your future. And so we've been able to do a few things that might help you out. The most important of them is that you can contact me. You simply go to adrianberg.com. Adrianberg.com. You go to contact Adrian and ask your question. The second thing we've done is we've created a vehicle, a podcast, Generation Bold Radio, so that we can answer those questions. Because I assure you, whatever question you have, somebody else has as well. Now take a little bit of a break after this introduction, and we'll be right back with Play Money. Welcome back to Play Money. Before we start to unpack what that means, I want to explain one other area of attitude that will make a very big difference to you. It's not just an attitude about money, but it's one about your future. I truly believe that you all have the potential of living way past 100, and everything we're going to discuss now is so that you'll have the money to do so and to feel secure all of your life. Couples who are currently 65 years old have over a 50% chance of living at least to age 95. In fact, the fastest growing demographic in this country are people over the age of 85 and pretty soon 100. So financially, what we're beginning to see is what we call the longevity gap. We look at wealth span as well as health span when we begin to discuss our money. What is the longevity gap? Well, let's pretend you've been a very good saver and you have been successful financially and you have amassed a nest egg of a half a million dollars and you begin to take out $50,000 a year to live on. Well, along around age 86, depending on inflation, there's a possibility that you may run out of money and that would be okay if 86 was your lifespan, but it's not. 
You have a good potential of 15 to 20 years of good health ahead of you. You're going to want to spend money. You're going to want to not be in the longevity gap. So we'll talk about this and how to stay out of that gap in just a little while. What is the solution to the longevity gap? Well, it's the solution of exactly what our book talks about, creating lifelong income that can never run out. I call this play money. Now, it stands for something. Each letter stands for a different element of play money. P stands for passive. One of the things I'd like you to do is to change your attitude about what wealth really is. It's usually just a number. I want to be a millionaire. I want to have $5 million. If only I had $100,000, I would be fine. But wealth is not a number. Wealth is lifelong income, income that can never run out and covers what you need to have the life that you love. That is called passive income. When the money works for you, you're not working for it. In the next section, we'll show you one of the major ways of accumulating passive income, and we'll discuss many others. Now, the L in play money stands for lifelong. Not only should you not have to work for your money, it must be P for passive, but it should never run out. It should be lifelong, no matter how long that life is, right? So very often, we just cash in and begin to withdraw or decumulate our nest egg. And if it's passive, and lifelong, we're fine. In fact, you can stop worrying about play money. But what if it is possible for you to outlive your money? Well, we'll make sure that you don't. Now, not only should your income be passive and lifelong, it should be A for play, always in your control. We're going to talk a lot about this right now because it may be the most important part of your concept of play money. And the why? Well, the why stands for yielding enough. It's your enough number. We want to make sure that we can maintain the lifestyle that we used to for all of our lives, no matter how long we live. So this is play money, passive, lifelong, always in your control and yielding enough. One of the things that you'll discover in our book, The Retirement Income Explosion, is that the center section has to do with the why. How can you need less so that your money yields enough and yet you live the life you love independently all of your life? Let's take a little break and come back and take a real good focus on the A in play money, always in your control. A stands for always in your control, being in control of your money all your life. There's only one thing you need for this, which is why we begin with it, because it's not all that intimidating. You need the right legal documents. I'm going to list those documents for you right now, and then I'm going to lead you to additional information so that you can actually get it done. Now, I am a lawyer, but don't hold that against me, and I am a trust and estates lawyer, and surely don't hold that against me. Uh, and in my past life, I drafted a lot of these documents, particularly in the field of elder law, and created one of the organizations you should know about. It's called NALA, the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys. There's a lot of information on their site, and take a look at that. Uh, NALA, N-A-E-L dot org. 
and you'll find that they have something called the five wishes. Uh, those are the wishes that you have for your end-of-life planning that you can copy and share with your family. One of the things that you need in terms of your legal documents is the power of attorney. That is a declaration of who you trust to make decisions for you while you are still alive. It is not a will. In fact, as soon as you pass away, the power of attorney becomes defunct. It's irrelevant. Many people select their oldest child or several children or their spouses. Uh, Some of them do select their attorneys to be their attorney in fact. They're not real lawyers. They are your representatives. They're the folks who are supposed to know what you would want and use your money just that way. You don't need a licensed attorney at all. You do need somebody that you trust on a personal basis, and you can have more than one attorney, in fact, named in your power of attorney. Another document is called the health care proxy or the health care power of attorney. It's exactly the same, except other than your money, it's your health decisions that somebody else is going to articulate for you so that no matter what your emotional status, your cognitive health, your physical health, you are in control because somebody else understands what you would want if you were making the decisions on your own. So you've got a power of attorney, you have a health care power of attorney or health care proxy, and you have a do not resuscitate order. That's usually a small one pager that's written by your state. It says, what happens if they find you in the airport and you're comatose? What do you want people to do? Resuscitate, not resuscitate. This is all stemming from the fact that we can keep people alive for a very long time today and very expensively in a vegetative state. Some people do want to be kept alive. They don't have a do not resuscitate order because they believe that things can change even in the most dire of circumstances. It is you who make that decision, no one else. So when I created these documents in the past, when I was a practicing attorney, I made sure that in every single case, the mandates were yours. There are some boilerplates that I call pull the plug. It says, if anything happens to me, I don't want to be resuscitated. I don't want to be on life support. But be very careful with that because we have incredible breakthroughs in resuscitation and in longevity. So make sure you take a really good look at what you want to really happen with your money as you age and with your health care. Give you one important hint and tip when it comes to money and the power of attorney. Very few powers of attorney that are simply those that you might buy online or that even many average attorneys will give you do not take into account the fact that you might have a chronic illness, that you might be alive and you might be in your home for a very long time. If that's the case, how should your money be spent? You have to say in writing that you would like your money to be spent so that you could stay at home or age in place. Otherwise, it is very likely that your power of attorney in good faith and with you in mind might decide that what you'd really prefer is going into assisted living or into a nursing home. If that is not the way you want your money spent, you say so and stay always in your control. 